I don't know, I guess as they get older, I just I just want them to to see other women not afraid to step out of their comfort zones and chase that feeling of being alive. In the modern world, in our everyday lives, like when we're out there, that feeling you get of being alive and like really being alive and in the moment, you lose that. And it's sad that we have to chase that feeling as adults, but yeah, I want my kids to know that, you know, it's okay to, to go and do these things. Like, go challenge yourself. Go do something out of the norm that's not normal because so many people look at what I've done and they're like, why? Why are you doing this? You are crazy. I don't mind being crazy because out of this whole adventure, I felt alive and I know that when I'm on my deathbed, this particular you know, group of memories is going to be there. And I, for that, I'm happy. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. Hello RMA, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I hope you enjoyed our last episode where we talked all things trail running with Shona Stevenson. You can catch that episode on episode 26. Today, I'm really excited to bring to you an episode with someone who we've interviewed on the podcast before, RMA Ambassador Michelle Hooper. I wanted to bring Michelle back on because as a lot of you will know, Michelle recently embarked on an amazing adventure across the Lara Pinta Trail. Michelle set herself a challenge of running a supported attempt across the Lara Pinta Trail and she ran from Mount Sonda to the Alice Springs Telegraph Station. I was lucky enough to be part of Michelle's crew where she kindly invited me along to be part of this project. I was so excited to join the team and I learned so many things along the way about resilience, strength, grit, and what it takes to do a challenge of this nature. Michelle, in this episode, as you will see, is just like you and I. She is an inspiring woman. She is a mum of two little girls, and she's just trying to find her way in the world like the rest of us. But like all of us, Michelle has the desire to dream big and chase the dreams that mean so much to her. And it's in these little adventures that she creates for herself that she finds true connection with those around her and her surroundings. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. You will love our chat. As you can hear from our little chat today, we became quite a strong knit team and we all learned so much. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you again to Michelle Hooper. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. 
PhysioCram has been helping running mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and PhysioCram has our back. To get your own PhysioCram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find PhysioCram at your local pharmacy. Anyway, it's just going to be like before, just a really candid conversation. Okay. Are you excited? Yeah. Not as nervous as last time. We're actually on the other side of this adventure. Can you? Yeah, no. I'm still like, when people ask me like, oh, so tell me about it. Like I still bloody struggle to process and then put into words. Like it's just not. I know. It's not, I'm not there yet, but I'll try my best. Because... (laughs) Like for so long, we were like waiting for it. And then obviously, as we'll discuss, it was maybe not going to happen. And then it happened. And then we we're living in every moment. And then all of a sudden, it was like, over. And now it's kind of like, <laughs> did it happen? Yeah, I know. <laughs> every time I see a photo, which is like every day we're posting, yeah. memories, I'm like, wow, was I there? Like, yeah, it went so quick. It went did. so quick. But at the time, it didn't feel quick. No, not for you. No, for me, it felt like an eternity. Oh, of course. Of course. All right. So let's get right into it. So obviously, um, lots of RMAs know who you are because you're one of our ambassadors and they've been following your journey. Um, And we spoke on the podcast. I'm not quite sure what episode it was, but it was one of the early episodes um, last year after you'd run the Cape to Cape. Yep. And we talked all about your passion for running and in particular forming adventures for yourself to learn lessons, to see, see beautiful places and to, I guess, take yourself into moments that might challenge you uh, or inspire you. Um, And then you set yourself an, after that, you had set yourself a new goal, which was running the Lara Pinta trail in the Northern territory. So Welcome back to the podcast and I'm so excited to have you here now knowing you so much better and I feel like we're like, I don't know, just kindred spirits now. I like <laughs> love you and you're a really close dear friend now and I'm so Aww. excited to be on this journey with you and yeah, I miss yeah, your face already. I reckon we're going to make some pretty amazing memories in the next few years and I'm excited. Before we get into all about your Lara Pinta adventure, do you want to just tell the listeners what is the Lara Pinta, where is it, and what does it entail? What did it entail for you in a little nutshell? (laughs) Um, Okay, so Lara Pinta Trail, uh, I think it's one of the most renowned multi-day hiking trails in Australia. Um, So a lot of hikers go there to do it over 12 or 13 days. It is a, they say, 230-kilometre trail, um, which is point to point from Alice Springs out to Mount Sonder. And uh, it's in the Northern Territory. It's uh, brutal, hot, arid, cold in winter, um, lots of flies in the wrong season. It's it's just to me like probably as Australia as you can get in terms of the outback. Yeah. Um, 
but also you think out back, you think flat, but it is not flat. There are some amazing ranges, ridges throughout the whole trail. So it, it's just a beast of a trail. And I had spoken to my partner about it after the Cape to Cape and we were kind of thinking, is there something a little bit longer that we can do? And he suggested that having been out there and that's what planted the seed and it kind of grew from there. Mm. And that's so, that is such a good description from what I saw of it, which wasn't heaps because most of my running legs were in the dark. <laughs> but what I did see like, you know, flying in and also when I was out there in the daytime and crewing for you and driving around was exactly that. Like there are flatter sections, but there most definitely is a lot of elevation and huge ridge lines, yeah. but most spectacular scenery. But also, as you said, the climate is extremes. Mm. So we had both extremes. We had the the boiling hot days and we had the really cold nights. So yeah. it's kind of logistically a hard thing to, to plan for yeah. as well, which was what was actually doing my head in when I was planning on going and why my bag weighed 20,000 kilos. <laughs> I just took everything. Um, but now that I've been there, I know I probably didn't need half those things, but, <laughs> but the most amazing part of it is that, it is so challenging and you know not only did you take yourself to such a challenging place you weren't going to hike it over 12 to 14 days you were going to yeah. run it <laughs> as yeah. quickly as you could so why did you choose like when you were talking to chris why did you choose maybe to run the trail instead of maybe choosing to do it nice and slowly and hiking it what was it about that that made you i guess want to <laughs> put that challenge in your scope of possibility. Yeah. Um, I just laughed then because you're like, you know, why did you choose to run it and not hike it? When in the end I actually hiked it. Yeah. <laughs> not all of it. <laughs> all um, of it. Okay. So Cape to Cape was more of a run over 26 hours. And when I finished, uh, you know, it was 130 Ks, 26 hours, and I finished and I felt, oh, I, you know, I wanted a harder challenge. Um, and that's the reason why I chose to do it in one push was I wanted to get to the point where I was struggling and um, I knew at that distance sleep deprivation would come in as well as it's d double the length almost of anything I've ever run before. So um, that's why I chose to do it in one push. And I've had a few people ask, you know, you know, why didn't you sleep or, you know, it kind of just sounds like you were torturing yourself. Like the idea of it was to do it in a single push to see if I could get to my limit, which I think I did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then, you know, so much comes from that moment or that point where you get to your limit mm. and I'm still trying to process it now, but that was the idea of the one push for it to be a big challenge, which mm. it was. And that's so funny because 
when I'm talking to runners all the time and especially ultra runners or people who set themselves these big challenges, including myself, who's obviously never run longer than a hundred K, but even that is a challenge to me at the time when I'm training, it's kind of like people who don't run, they kind of go, why, Mm. you know, and people will ask you that question, obviously, but why would you put yourself in the position of being uncomfortable or being in pain or being sleep deprived or why would you put yourself in the position of going to the extremes to the limits of what you think you can do and i guess that is an answer that you might not be able to answer just yet as you said you're still processing Mm -hmm. the why i guess but like it's it's an interesting one like why do people like us put ourselves into those moments and it's a hard one to actually articulate like even myself I think you know for me it brings out something really deep inside me that I might not have thought was there I learned some really valuable lessons about myself like what was it about the experience of putting yourself in those moments that you Mm. learn about yourself because I know why I do these things and it's the same reason why I fell into the world of ultra running very early on or two, two years ago. And it was, you know, I was reading a book about the Spartan races and then they started doing like the longer versions of the Spartan races as well. And Joe DeSena, he was saying, you know, we live in a world of comfort. You know, people are craving this feeling of uncomfortableness, like to get out of their comfort zone. They know that, you know, this space that we live in, it's just so easy and you don't challenge yourself. And if you don't do those things and you don't find, you know, what's within you, what you're capable of, you don't come to breaking point where I think that's the biggest thing that I've realised within this one is, or this adventure was, you know, what was important to me when I got to breaking point. And it was very clear that it was the people around me that were important. Like I was head down, I was sobbing, it was the middle of the night and all I wanted was Chris just to come a little closer. Mm. You know, it, it was the people and the connection and those people around me that I wanted and I craved and every time I saw you guys, I got so much happier. Mm. And I think it's only in those moments that you realise those sorts of things when you live in the comfort of everyday life and everything's you know, at hand's reach, you you don't even have to think about things like that and you don't grow because of it. So, I mean, that's why I do these things to, to get myself out of the comforts of everyday life and challenge myself. Mm. And it's fun. (laughs) That was my next question. Sometimes, but it was fun. (laughs) Kind of fun. Kind of fun. But no, it was fun. And like that was my next question is, well, not so much fun, but like when you are in those deep pits of pain and suffering yet striving and pushing forward amongst that, is there some kind of, I'm going to sound like really weird, but is there <laughs> some kind of like weird joy in that? Like I think there is. Like is there some kind of weird I don't know, self-realization in those moments that you think this is why I came here and this is actually why I'm here and I wanted this and I find almost comfort in that pain. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, maybe it's just me. No, so I have... I've been at that that level of pain. So like say through Cape to Cape or MRU where, you know, the pain was there, but it's like, yeah, this is, this is what I came here for to challenge myself. I was still of lucid mind, you know, yeah, I can do this. This really hurts, but I can do this. I've been like that before. Hmm. This was not like that. This, <laughs> this, <laughs> the last, so like, that coming into Simpsons Gap. So we would have been, I don't know what, 65 hours in, 30 minutes sleep. I was not of lucid mind. I was sleep deprived. I was utterly exhausted. I was sobbing. My feet were in utter pain. And all I was thinking was, I want this to end. <laughs> That's all I was thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, in that moment though, it's so funny, like, I wanted it to end, but there's no way I would have stopped. No. Like, I, I remember, and I think that was, that was the disconnect in my mind was, and why I was kind of like crying and quite emotional is like, I really, really want this to stop, but I know I can't. And I know I've got another 12 hours of pain ahead of me. And then the emotional release of that, like, oh man, like, just, just keep going. I mean, Chris pulled me through that last couple of hours into Simpsons Gap, which was the worst. <laughs> um, and then once I got there to you guys, it was just the sleep deprivation. Mm. And I think the, I knew I was going to get to the end then, mm. but it was just the sleep deprivation and actually like trying to keep me awake. <laughs> which was so much fun. <laughs> And we'll talk about that. But like, yeah, that's interesting you say that. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about what you just said, though, is I know you had those moments because we talked about them, we discussed them and you shared about them and, you know, mm. you, you sent us photos and, and, and we knew you were out there with Chris and, and you both were having tough moments. But, but when you came into the checkpoints, like when you came into us as crew, you really didn't show us that level of discomfort like I almost thought she's looking good like she's looking good yeah. yes she's tired she's quiet like it kind of went quiet so I'm like you know she, and you said that to me that when you're in pain and you're not coping with stuff you'll go quiet so I kind of thought well obviously at that point you're gonna be pretty pretty <laughs> quiet um you know coming into the last the last section but you know I think um as crew, like our job was to keep you moving, keep you fed, keep you happy, keep you motivated to get back out again. Now I'm a very caring person. Had you come in like sobbing mess, I don't know how I would have responded in that moment. Like, cause I probably would have wanted to wrap you up and drive you out of there. Not yeah. that I would have done that, but maybe those moments were reserved for you and Chris as special times together. I don't know. Maybe that's just the way it was and you pulled yourself together before you saw us not all the time but a lot of the time and I think um I think in response to that the the best way I can describe it is say you're running a marathon it's usually like the 32k mark 35k mark where it's horrible and then when you get to the finish line you know you're in pain you're all of that but there's relief and you're happy mm. so every time I got to it 
checkpoint or an aid station with you guys. That was my finish line. Mm. Like the point where I would be really struggling was like that three Ks, five Ks from it. But by the time I got to you, I was like, hell yeah, like feeling better. Like I get to have a rest, I get to sleep. And that's probably why I seemed a little better at times. Yeah. The struggle was always those last couple of Ks into every trailhead where I was meeting you just went forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you experienced it on the leg that we did. Yeah. It's like, this is the longest kilometre of my life. I know. (laughs) I do remember. I think it was she just, what's she doing? Like, I still, oh, this should be at the end, but I still remember we've got like literally like 1K, 1K, yeah. not even 1K. It was probably 600 metres and someone yeah. had written Go Michelle on the ground and you got down and laid down and I was like, what are you doing? Get back up again. I remember. What is she doing? And Kat and I are just looking at each other like, is she crazy? No, I said someone's taking the time to write, go Michelle on the ground. I'm going to get on the ground. Like, that's cool. I know. I know. All kudos to you. <laughs> but we were like, let's get this thing done. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to your preparation. So yeah. after you decided this was going to be the adventure you were signing yourself up for, um, obviously you know, for people that are listening, this was no race. This wasn't a race. This was just Michelle's adventure that she had prepared and planned for herself um, as a personal goal. So, you know, what did you do in terms of preparation? Like what kind of training did you do? You don't have to get into real specifics, but what Mm. kind of training did you do? And obviously what kind of things did you need to prepare yourself uh, to, to be ready for this? I mean, I feel like I had the best training leading up to it, but I basically had been building super slowly for about six months. And so that would be, you know, three build weeks and then a drop week and then three build weeks and a drop week. And that was leading up to my peak week of, I think, 130Ks a couple of weeks before it. But for me, and it was great being in Perth, um, my main training was um, training the heat. And, and just being able to move comfortably and be aware of the signs of heat stroke and so forth, mm. uh, which I think served me quite well in the first two days. But also I did one, one stint of night training, but, you know, looking back on my training now, I'm just like, uh, if I can go back and change it, I really needed to do more with a heavier pack um, and longer and slower because it was just my feet in the end that got me. It was um, the pain in my feet. And I think training on rocks more would have helped because, yeah, that's what got me. I got blisters on my heels. Like I've never had blisters on my heels ever in my, you know, running training. Um, And it's just because the terrain you're moving across is so different. You're, yeah, constantly on uneven rocks and uneven surfaces. So it's just, it's really hard on your body in a different way. Mm. So in terms of the terrain you had, like, can you explain what that looks like? Yeah. Uh, Well, in terms of the numbers, so it was 250 Ks and 7,200 elevation. But the best way to describe it is... Uh, it's two mountain ranges that run parallel to each other. 
and basically you climb up one of the ranges and then down and then go across to the other one and then up and then down and then up. So anytime you're climbing, it's a steep climb. Anytime you go down, it's a steep down. Um, and then when you're running a flat, it's quite a long flat because you're going in between the, the ranges, yeah. um, which I hadn't really trained for that much ascent, to be honest. I mean, I live in Perth and it's pretty flat here. But yeah, it was more so the downhills that got me that mm. that literally broke my feet. Um, the downhills, the gorges, the riverbeds. Um, that's mainly what you're moving through. Gorges, riverbeds, highlines, ridges, and desert flats. Yeah. For everything. <laughs> Pretty much everything you can yeah. But I do remember the rocks. We have songs about them. Um, um, <laughs> rocks that's all I remember which is why your feet were so trashed in the end like yeah. you know you're moving around like yeah. navigating through rocky terrain and things are slipping out from under your feet the yeah. whole time like it's you were never going to be coming away with nothing on your feet <laughs> that's for sure after that um kind of distance as well on that terrain um what were the logistics like for you in terms of preparing this adventure now we had three people from perth so there was you kat and marco who's a filmmaker mm-hmm. and then we had chris from victoria and myself from sydney what were those logistics like and how did you even get the crew into your mind who you wanted to come along <laughs> um it was a moving project i think from the start so initially chris and i were supposed to be running the whole thing together along with crew to come along to help. Um, And then Chris had a little calf injury and didn't get as much training as he would have liked in before it. So we decided that I would go ahead and run the whole thing. Um, He would support as much as he possibly could. And Kat was always coming along because, you know, she's done as much training as I have um, and, you know, probably only fair to her to actually live the adventure considering she heard me talk about it for the last seven months. (laughs) And then you came into the picture, my love, when we were, what were we talking about? We were just talking about adventures. Like, why don't you just come along and crew and pace? And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's how that all happened. Logistics uh, and Marco as well. Obviously Marco was, um, I spoke to Marco probably six months ago about this project or adventure um, and in making it a project for him. And um, yeah, he just, he just ended up being a really close friend over the last six months of us, you know, talking about the reasons why I'm doing this and just getting to know each other better. And he just became one of the crew. So, which is awesome because he's an awesome dude and you're all awesome people and everyone just bloody blended well together and I was so happy, like, so, so happy to see everyone just, like, smooshed together and it all worked out well. <laughs> it, did. it actually did. We're all so different, yet we all just yeah. seem to work. I don't know. It just worked really well. Yeah. Um, let's just quickly talk about the week before we went. Yeah, well, a few weeks before we went, but particularly the week before we went, um, COVID decided to rear its ugly head again. 
mm-hmm. as has been the case for the last 12 months on and off. But, um, you know, do you want to tell everybody what happened there? You know, obviously everyone was ready to go. And mm-hmm. then what happened? Yeah, in so, <laughs> uh, two weeks out, everyone was, we were kind of like just starting to get excited. I think all of us. And then Perth got a case and we went into lockdown and everything and Northern Territory um, declared Perth a hotspot, which meant we couldn't come. And basically we were all hanging on the fact that uh, Northern Territory would hopefully drop the hotspot declaration, which they did. And then we all got confused as to whether or not we could still come. Yeah, I remember the messages. That was that group chat that afternoon. Oh my gosh. I was um, like, yes, then you're like, no. And I'm like, what do no, you mean? Yes, no, I don't go. Someone call them. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so we were going like, you know, three days beforehand, we were all like, yeah, yeah, we're going, going. And then as I was packing the night before, Kat sent me a message um, that there was another case in Perth. And I remember I was just packing and I was just like, no, (laughs) why? (laughs) And then I was talking to Kat that night because I was trying not to stress everybody else out. So Kat and I were just talking. And um, we're like, I was like, how do you feel about it? She's like, yeah, let's just go. I was like, okay, we'll just go. And if we get turned around, we get turned around. <laughs> like, we'll be one of those people in the plane that, like, gets stopped in the air and yeah. turned back to their state. But luckily, like, I, I was standing, like, in line as we're going through the customs COVID area in the airport in Northern Territory, like, looking at my phone, like, oh, my God, are they going to shut the borders? But then we got <laughs> through and then we bugged out of there really quickly and how good was it when we all got out of that airport into the car (laughs) like let's get out into the bush (laughs) so there's no reception and we won't know anything and it's funny because we did well i checked once i think and then everyone was getting stroppy at me for checking (laughs) i didn't know anything until when i was walking you back like the last leg and i we finally got reception and i got pinged like something like sydney COVID alert and i was like i've just spent the last three days without knowing anything and i'm loving it (laughs) (laughs) and i thought if i'm stuck here it's the best place to be look how beautiful yeah Well, you know, I think it was pretty amazing that the stars aligned and we all got to get there. Mm -hmm. And after all the hard work that you put in to get to the starting line and all the logistics of everybody coming together, Mm -hmm. it was bound to be amazing. And, you know, we did have such a grand adventure. So thank you, COVID gods. (laughs) I know, right? Um, Anyway. I wanted to ask the question, what were your expectations versus what the reality actually looked like in the end? Expectations, I thought that I would be able to run further, to be honest. Um, But but that was just, I think, me completely underestimating the terrain. you know, I had trained on, on trail, obviously. Perth trail is so mild compared to what we were running on. It just, yeah. And then that first day, um, 
you know, I tried to conserve as best as I could, but it was 30 plus degrees and Kat and I were out there all day. Um, and that took its toll that evening um, on my body. So, yeah, that was one thing that didn't go as I had planned. Like I thought I would be able to run on and off a lot more. Yeah. Feet pain was something I, I didn't even have in my radar in terms of something that would limit me in the last 48 hours. I thought it would have been because I went into it with a tight hammy. Um, I thought it would have been that or potentially like my knees because normally my knees get quite sore after about 80K. Knees are fine. Hammy was fine. It was my feet. My feet I just wanted to sore my feet off. Um, and then honestly, in terms of expectations with the crew, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a bit more of a shambles, <laughs> but you guys were such a like tight knit, like you had your systems going and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Cause like, honestly, I couldn't have like leading into it. I'm like, nah, like it's going to be really difficult logistically carrying stuff in with all the gear and cooking and stuff. So I was like, it's not going to run super smoothly and that's fine, but it totally did. (laughs) And it was funny because we really never really, like we, we drove out to Red Bank Gorge and we didn't really kind of go through the car. Like it was like Chris had, we you know we all just threw it all into the car and it had some sort of order about it. But I will say like Kat and I were joking, like there is just everything in these vehicles. <laughs> like Chris has put in every single thing that his dad owned camping wise. We're, we're like digging through containers to find things. We have way too much food. Like it's just, it's sort of like an unorganized chaos yet organized. Like it was just really <laughs> That's perfect way to describe Chris right there. Yeah, oh, no. totally. And that's exactly, he's like, anything we might need, I'm going to put it in the vehicle. And like, we had everything we could possibly need for like weeks. But, you know, in terms of us, you know, you when you sent us the crew sheet, um, and we'll talk about crew now, when you sent us the crew sheet, like about like all the different sections, like, you know what I was like beforehand. I was quite nervous about the whole thing. One, I didn't know you guys very well. So there was that. Yeah. Am I going to mesh with these people? Then there was like, I really want to do a good job. I want to make sure I get Shell in and out. I want to do the best job possible for her yeah. so she can achieve her goal. How am I even going to run with Michelle? I've never run with her before. Well, that, what's that going to be like? Am I going to be like trying to keep up? Like that kind of stuff. Like, but, and then you said sort of like, these are what I want everyone to do. I want someone to be in charge of cooking, someone to be in charge of this, but we never actually seriously, we never actually sat down and had a conversation. It was no. just like, we'd just say, I'll do this. You do that. Yeah. And, and we just worked well as a team. Yeah. I think that's the key. fell into your roles, I think. Yeah. I think that's the key. Like we knew like when one person needed a rest, we knew when someone else needed to run, we knew it just, it just worked. And because we're all quite relaxed individuals, I think it, it just worked like that. So That's what I was saying to you beforehand. I was like, you have nothing to stress about in, in terms of that because literally, like, you guys didn't know each other, but I know each of you. And I was like, you guys are all, like, the most chilled people I know. Yeah. will <laughs> <It'll> be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was. It was great. So, you know, in terms of having crew, like, if, 
I was now that I have been a crew and that was my first big crewing experience mm-hmm. apart from crewing someone at hundred K like multi-day crewing experience. The things that I remember being difficult as a crew member were things like sleeping. Obviously you weren't sleeping, so I had nothing to complain about, <laughs> but like when you're not sleeping and you're trying to do a job for someone and you yeah. have to drive a vehicle, mm-hmm. like I literally remember that second night when Kat and I got lost in the four-wheel drive trail for three hours. And that's like a whole podcast in itself. We got lost in there and Chris was like in the day, you'll be fine. And Mark is like, you've got this. And I'm thinking halfway through that night, I'm thinking those guys had no idea when they sent us off in the dark in these cars. Anyway, but that night I do remember driving down that road when we finally made our way out and Kat and I were literally falling asleep at the wheels. Like it was just so hard, but like you running, we were like, no, we came here to do our job and we're going to get it done. We're going to get there. We're going to set up. Like it was almost like my life depended getting to that checkpoint because I knew you had to be, we had to get there. We had to get you food. Like I'm like, we're hiking in because backstory for people listening we were lost in the four drive trail for like literally three hours and these guys were running. So Marco, Chris and Michelle were high in the mountain on the range, like climbing in the absolutely bitter cold. It got so cold that night. Mm. It was dark middle of the night. Like I think it was like two, 3am. I can't even remember the whole days have meshed into one, <laughs> but it was so cold. We finally get out we finally make our way to the next um, checkpoint which was Stanley Chasm yeah and we get to the gate which we were supposed to have organized entry into mm-hmm. which we had not and it was locked and Marco had said the day before don't worry if the gate's locked it's only like 50 meters to the cafe and you can sit up there there was in front of me at 2 3 a.m whatever time it was <laughs> I'm I'm faced with this long dark road in the middle of nowhere, just stretching out before me. Cat to sleep at the wheel behind, like on the side of the road, like passed out. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I don't even know how far this, how far it is into there. So I said to Cat, we're just going to have to hike it in, like with everything. And that's what we did. We just hiked it in. And then, you know, what felt like 10,000 hours later, you guys rocked in. Yeah, so- well, I rocked up and you were asleep on the bench. <laughs> I had given up of waiting and pacing like Kat was. I was like, I am, I need like just 10 minutes. So I laid down in your beautiful warm sleeping bag on the bench, (laughs) tried to get as much sleep as I could. And I do remember waking up to these four lone figures just hobbling (laughs) towards me. And it actually took me a little bit of time to register that it was you guys. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Everyone looks like a bit done. (laughs) So. I have the clearest image of that in my head. Like (laughs) none of us were talking. So Chris, Marco and I, none of us were talking. We were stumbling so slowly. The two boys were ahead of me. And I remember turning around. So we're walking on this road, turning around. And I'm like, there's someone behind us. And then Chris looked back. (laughs) Yeah, there's someone behind us. And then we're like, Oh, if it was Kat, I'm sure she'd like wave or like, you know, <laughs> something. That person didn't do anything. 
we just kept, it could have been like, I think at that point I was like, well, this is a serial killer. He could just like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, <laughs> and then it was Kat. Like she walked up and like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> she was like in this, she just wouldn't sit still. Like she'd had her little sleep in the car while I got everything ready. <laughs> and then she just wouldn't rest. She was like, they're going to be here. What if we miss? She was worried that she guys. And I'm like, how can you possibly miss them? They're going to be coming straight past us. But she just wouldn't sit. She just paced and paced that road. It was hilarious. But I do remember you guys coming in. And the question I wanted to ask you was, what was one of the hardest nights or moments? And that was a pretty tough night coming in from there. But was that the hardest night? Was that the no. hardest moment? No, in the moment, I thought it was the hardest moment. Yeah. <laughs> in the moment, well, so that night, so backstory to that particular section. So Marco came on that one. So it was Marco, Chris and I, and we had to get up Brink, Brinkley Bluff. Um, and it's just like, it's really hard to, so it was a 17K section. You think 17Ks, yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. That's not that far. It took us, I think, seven hours or eight hours or something like that. It was in the dead of night and it was freezing cold. But to get up Brinkley's is it's it's a climb. Like I remember at one point the three of us were at the bottom of the climb and Chris shined his light just up to what you would think would be where the sky is. And I'm like looking up. And it wasn't, it was just like this massive shadow of like just a face of a mountain. And I, he's like, we're going up there. I'm like, <laughs> great. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, at the time, the climbs were easier for me, much easier for me. Uh, it was slow still, but it was easier on the body. Poor Marco <laughs> probably was he had climbed a mountain before the mountain. Yeah, know. well, that, that's his own. That's his own fault, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was challenging, that leg, and it was cold, and I had to have a couple of laydowns because my vision was just going blurry. But then as I was laying down, the other guys were getting super, super cold. Um, so, yeah, we just had to keep moving. But definitely the hardest... The hardest moment was probably that last section that I did with Chris coming into Simpsons and that yeah. that afternoon where I was so done, like my body was done, my mind was hallucinating like crazy mm. um, and I was just tired, I was ready for it to be over and I'd look down at my watch and I would jokingly say to Chris, <laughs> I've got 50 kilometres to go, like... <laughs> It was just the most defeating feeling, like feeling that that done, but it's like, no, you're nowhere near done yet. You have to keep pushing. And yeah, it, that was really difficult for my brain to comprehend at the time. So what did you draw on to get yourself through those hard moments? Um, I actually had one saying which kept going through my mind. Sounds really stupid, but it... It's just what kept going. And it was every step closer is one step closer to the finish line. Every step closer is one step closer. And that sounds like cliche, like something that people would say anytime, but it was like one thing that I could go, oh yeah, I can take a step. Mm. That is one step closer. Because it was just 
the enormity of the task ahead, if you thought about it, it, it would just like get you into a hole. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, okay, well, I can think about just keep shuffling the feet. Yeah. Um, I tried my best not to get stuck on paces and stuff like that. Yeah. The only reason I would look at pace was more to give myself, I think, a realistic view of what was ahead because there were even times, I think, in the last leg where you were like, yeah, we're like two hours away or like one and a half hours away. I'm like, nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're 8K out and I'm going like 20 minute Ks. Yeah. Like okay, we got a while to go. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and I think you had to do that because like that last section coming into Simpsons Gap, as you were saying, that was really hard. That day was the biggest, biggest leg where you hadn't had any crew. So you yeah. didn't have crew for that whole day. Like, it was like know, 14 hours. Yeah, it was like 47K or something crazy. Yeah. Like, um, And you'd think, oh, you know, anyone would go, oh, well, like that's under, you know, nine hours. No, in that yeah. terrain, it is just <laughs> moving that slow. It's yeah. not. And like, it is a long day. I remember thinking we've got till... Well, we remember thinking, okay, it could be anywhere because our radios died and we didn't have... Mm the spot tracker, everything was going against us there. So we were kind of trying to think, okay, it could be any time from 6.30. Yeah. So we got out there at 6.30. You guys didn't rock in until like yeah. 11 or something. So it was sort of like, you know, and that's the other thing. You don't know whether you should sleep or you should eat or you should, yeah. you just don't know what to do. But, you know, for you guys, it's just the like, you just, every single step, as you're saying, is just one step closer to the crew, mm -hmm. one step closer to the end. Like, you know, yeah. that's, all you had to get you through in those moments pretty much and trying to enjoy it where I could yeah in the, the last 24 hours it was really hard mm -hmm. um to enjoy moments like and even looking back on the photos that Chris took in that last day two days I'm like wow that's really pretty pity <laughs> I was looking at the rocks in front of me the whole time like yeah <laughs> So you didn't fall on your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, well, at least you can look back at those photos and think how amazing it is that you traveled through the landscape, even if you yeah. weren't looking around as much at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you what it was like, because we've talked a lot about having no sleep. So I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you, what was it actually like to have the hallucinations that you had? And can you explain to everyone what you saw out there on the trails of the Lara Pinto? So backstory, on the Cape to Cape, I was out there for 26 hours and I was really disappointed at the end that I didn't have hallucinations. <laughs> <laughs> so when I actually got to the point of hallucinations on the Larry Pinta, I was like stoked. I was so happy. And it happened, uh, I think I would have been about 52 hours in or something like that. And it was middle of the day, I think one of the first ones that I saw. And yeah, it was basically rocks were not rocks. They were everything but. And because there's so many rocks out there, like massive rocks, little rocks, like my brain was just filling in the gaps of what the rocks kind of looked like and turning in, them into something else. So the first one that I saw was like a big boulder. It would have been a big boulder. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like clear as day to me, a tank. And that was at Jay Creek in the middle of the day. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, well, Chris is a tank. He's like, what? 
Let's don't go there. And then I think I said, look, there, are there cars over there? There are rocks as well. It was kind of like, you know, what you read about, you see the oasis and like the mirage of things. Mm. Um, they were the first ones that I saw. And then as I headed into the night, they got not really bad, but they got um, more clearer. I think because obviously you start losing light and your brain just fills in the gaps to whatever you think it is. Um, so rocks were still being everything but rocks. There was this mum and a mum elephant and a baby elephant like right there. And I was just chuffed at the time. I was like looking at it, like full on staring at it. I'm like, Chris, there's elephants over there. <laughs> I think he was just like, like, yeah, cool. Like another hallucination that I can't see. <laughs> Rocks. <laughs> but then I'd like look away knowing that it's not elephants and then look back and I'm like, nope, there's still elephants. Like, and it's just so funny because you know that what you're looking at it's not there. You know, it's not there. Um, but you're seeing it. And like the best hallucination that I had um, was it went on for about 20 or 30 minutes. And it was, it was as though someone had thrown just like thousands of photos over the, the ground or like the skinny trail we were walking on. And so as I'm walking along, I could just see like pictures and pictures just kind of laid on top of each other. But I could see clear as day in every single photo, like what was in it. And like I was explaining it to Chris and then we'd stop and I'd point and I'd be like, oh, you know, that one's got, you know, a mum and a daughter. And then I specifically remember this one where it was just this guy and he had a black shirt on and I was like, he's got like a, a circle kind of logo in the middle with like a red man. And I was like, trying to explain it to him in as much detail so that he kind of got the idea that it wasn't just like, you know, a blur of photos. Like it was clear to me, so clear. And I loved that. And it kept me, that kept me entertained for a while. And <laughs> I, I do remember you having a few on the trail as we were coming down the end as well. Yeah. I just, um, I think in the dark, it was really cool. Yeah. But it was only really cool because they were friendly hallucinations. Yeah. Like if it was scary stuff, then yeah, completely different. Like if it was like ghosts or yeah. like monsters in the ground or whatever. But no, it was good. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I certainly won't ever forget like the photos as well that I saw. Mm. Yeah. Cool, cool experience. That is really cool. That is yeah. really cool. And like, obviously that's because you were so sleep deprived at the time. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me about you sleeping on the trail. Like how much sleep did you actually end up having, do you think, over the 76 hours? Actual sleep? Yeah. I think I probably slept around 30 minutes. Yeah. The times that I went to sleep, mm. I didn't ever really sleep. I say I fell asleep on the toilet for 10 minutes at Ellery, Ellery, Creek, yeah, Ellery Creek, but I don't think I quite fell asleep, but I was in a light enough kind of doze, I think, to count it as rest. Yeah. Uh, those last few trail naps that I had, I slept. Yeah. That was, they were moments where like as soon as my head hit the ground, I was out. 
Um, Even at Stanley Chasm where we laid down for 30, 40 minutes, I don't actually think I slept because I remember the sound of the leaf blower the whole time, which Mm. meant that like I wasn't actually sleeping, but I was just resting. And I think that that was enough. Like I just needed to rest my eyes, rest my brain a little bit, and then I could go for a little bit longer. And that's pretty amazing. Like people were like, what do you mean she had like two minute trail naps? I'm like, well, we just, we'd lay her down and she'd say it's time for a nap and we'd put her on the ground and she'd fall asleep. And I, I don't think people can actually understand how, when you're so tired, you can actually Mm -hmm. literally just fall asleep wherever you are. Yeah. Well, it's literally walking and falling asleep. Mm -hmm. So for me to just be able to just put my head on the ground, like it was instant, like that last, yeah, six hours, seven hours with you guys was honestly just me trying to stay awake. Yeah. And Kat said she had some issues as well, trying to stay awake in the background that we didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, oh, we all did. Uh, we just never said anything. Like, because obviously we were all sleep deprived and we, yeah. when we started out, we were all really quiet. Like the first few hours, we were all really quiet and we're just pumping through the bush like, and it's almost like as we were talking about on the trail, like, have we been here before? Like, everything yes. looks the same. It's the same, the same, the same. This same grass. trail with grass on each side yeah. and <laughs> up and down. And and I'm like, man. And then when we, you stopped to go to the bathroom that one time and yeah. then we kind of started the music, I think that's when we all kind of got a little bit more awake. Like, we were like, yeah. right, we all have to keep you awake. Yeah. We have to keep each other awake because it was yeah. kind of like, easily we could have all laid down and got to sleep I think at that moment yeah 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 yeah. um but yeah it was interesting I've got so many memories of that that night (laughs) (laughs) um were there any moments when you were out there on the trail when you thought like this is just beautiful and you felt really grateful to be there like did you get time to just stop and look up at the stars or look Mm -hmm. out at the view and just think wow I'm so lucky to be doing this yeah. Um, well, Sonda was obviously amazing at the start. I think um, so. Sonda was, you know, eight k's into two hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and we were there for you know sunrise or just before, and the sky was changing and it was beautiful. And I was of lucid mind, and I was with my partner and these amazing people, and it was stunning. Mm-hmm. Loved Sonda. Um, another moment was Chris um up on one of the high lines i can't remember it might have been counts point we got up to the ridge and um he said he goes i know you want to keep going but he's like we've got to stop here just for two minutes he's like can you turn your light off he's like i've got to lay down here and i've just got to look up at the stars and i was like okay (laughs) and i didn't lay down because at that point my legs were already toast but He laid down, I turned my light off and I looked up as well. And the stars are just amazing out there. They're so beautiful. So that's another really nice moment that I had. Uh, And we had two sunsets up on ridge lines, which were, yeah, just stunning. And even though like I was in, you know, quite bad pain, it was so beautiful. It was really beautiful just to see the landscape, you know, going through all those colours and, you know, turning from day into night and then that beautiful hue that you get in the sky when the sun's gone, Mm. but it's not quite night yet. Yeah. And you can draw on those memories now. Like 
Mm. You know, as the moments then that you remember, like, you know, there's a lot that probably is like a massive blur to you, but there's a lot <laughs> that, you know, you'll remember, you know, really yeah. clearly. Before you went to Lara Pinta, obviously we followed Lucy's adventure along mm-hmm. the trail as well. Did watching Lucy travel the Lara Pinta trail on foot scare you or excite you? And what things maybe that you saw on her journey might have scared you. I can think of one <laughs> that might have scared you, which would be maybe having to swim. Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of things, what kind of perspective, I guess, did that give you beforehand? Like, was it a good thing to watch Lucy before you were to go out? Yeah. So I did watch and it scared the crap out of me, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, I think that's the dangerous thing with, you know, if you've got your, if you're doing the same thing as someone else, you know, watching along quite close to when you're going can be dangerous because then you just have expectations or um, what you believe is going to happen, which may not, totally may not happen for you. And then you start worrying about those things. Um, You know, it was harsh when Lucy was there, like she went, uh, I think just over a month before me, but that month is a big difference in terms of the heat of the day. Yeah. Also like the water that was in the canyons and that, I, I mean, Chris and I in Hugh Gorge where Lucy had to swim, we had to kind of uh, boulder and rock climb around the walls. Mm. Um, and there were some pretty tricky sections, you know, considering that I had done 100 and, I don't know, 70 K by then. Uh, and I'm not particularly <laughs> like boulder or rock climber. Um, but yeah, uh, I was very thankful I didn't have to swim. But I think all in all, like, you know, watching Lucy, it made me excited about it. But then I tried to to not project that that would be the same experience that I would have. Because, I mean, she's, in terms of being an athlete, she's like, light years ahead of me, like decades and decades um, in terms of experience, you know, on longer trails. Mm. So I knew for me already it was going to be very different the way that I would travel through and also the fact that I had you guys as well. Mm. Um, It was going to be very different and I had someone with me the whole time. Yeah. um, Which I was very lucky for. Yeah. Do you think it would (laughs) have... Well, do you think you would have done it without anybody there the whole no. time? No. No. I mean, um, safety is always my number one priority. Like before adventuring or anything like that, I'm a mum. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do need to come back to my kids yeah. of sound mind and a decent body. <laughs> so if there's, you know, a situation that puts my safety or my health at risk and I think for me given the experience that I have on you know ridge lines and mountainous terrain which is not much Mm. uh that wouldn't have been uh the right thing for me to do to do it by myself Mm. so for me it was always to have people with me Mm. yeah I I still remember like you know, the, the night section I ran with you and Chris and we went up on some ridge lines and I still remember Chris saying like, look, you can see like where it's like just dark and like deep. Like you can tell like we're right on the edge of this ridge line. And I'm thinking there's not much 
doesn't take much for us to go over the edge here. And the last night when we were going to the end, the last 25K with Kat, you and I, <laughs> there was one point where I remember Mark told me and also Rachel told me, when you climb up to the top of your ridge, there's a sharp left-hand turn. Yeah. When you get there, make sure that you're in front of Michelle and Kat's behind her and stick yeah. close because you're literally less than a meter from the edge. And if yeah. you miss the, if she misses the turn, go straight ahead. <laughs> She's going straight over. And I clearly remember the climbing up there thinking, right, I've got to be right on this game now. Like yeah. I remember saying to you, stay close to me. No, because <laughs> you're laughing. You've got the phone to your, like to your ear, trying to listen to music. And like, I'm like, you're wobbling around. And I'm like, I'm like oh, I was stumbling all over cargo, that. Time. Precious cargo. Yeah. <laughs> got to get you off this ridge. Yeah. But yeah. Like to be alone out there would be a yeah. whole nother level. Like, like if I had gotten to that sleep deprived state that I was in alone, I wouldn't have gone on. Mm. probably just mainly for my safety yeah. I couldn't walk a straight line yeah. um, you know I was stumbling all over the place so to be on ridge lines um in that state of mind for me is, would, would just be a no-go yeah that's why I was sandwiched between you guys literally sandwiched. we're a sandwich now yeah. our group chat is called sandwich <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it um, were there any moments out there that were funny? Obviously, you've talked about the uh, hallucinations, but were there any moments along the journey, the whole thing, like from the very beginning to the end, that you remember being hilarious or funny? Uh, I ha- yeah, I have some funny moments and they all have to do with the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> falling asleep on one was one. We went missing and we're like, she's on the yeah, toilet. falling asleep on one. Um because I couldn't sleep in my tent so I went to the toilet because my body, as soon as it stopped, my body was just screaming at me, okay, it's time to go. Um, And I gave in and I finally went to the toilet block and then I ended up just sitting on the toilet because it was nice and warm in there and the light went out and I was like, I'm just staying here. (laughs) It was 10 minutes. Yeah, I had also broken doing my business on the trail for the first time, like, I had never, like, I've never had to in the past. Like, I've done bushwees and stuff before, obviously, but I've never had to do my business on trail. So that was interesting. And all three of those times were, yep, funny stories. One of them was, um, you know, in the dead of night with Marco and Chris. And yeah, Chris and I, funnily enough, we we call it Poonison now. Like, You say uh, couples that poo together stay together. 100%. Um, and then, yeah, that last, the last one with you guys was, you know, was hilarious for you, not so much for me. <laughs> They're like, what kind of music would you like? <laughs> You're like, I need music. You remember, Kat couldn't put the music on. So she was standing there, like, singing a song because the music wouldn't come on. <laughs> Like, oh. and I'm singing, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm fine still. It was pitch black, like we wouldn't have heard or seen a thing. <laughs> but still, it was like, it was for me, and I was saying this to Chris, I think, last night. I was like, for you guys, as in Marco and Chris, they would, you know, just step off to the side of the trail and hang a leak, and I was always <laughs> so jealous of it because it's like, 
as a woman and as a girl, it's like, okay, I've done 150K, 200K, 250K, and my legs are shot. Yeah. Now I have to try to balance on my legs and try to do a wee in the middle of the bush with legs that are shaking, as well as trying to navigate around spin effects underneath me. Like, this yeah. is not fun. <laughs> Why can I not just stand up like you guys? This is not fun whatsoever. Oh, the logistics of being a female. Oh, no. <laughs> I am, but yeah, we do it anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> when you have to, you have to. Yeah. Um, other funny moments. I don't know. I just, I loved every time I came into like a trailhead with you guys. Like it just, it was just a nice decompression and just like a, <sighs> like I can just yeah. relax for a bit. I don't have to worry about my feet hurting or falling off a ridge or you know what's ahead yeah. I can just I can just be here right now mm-hmm. and that was always so much fun you guys were always so smiley and you know mm-hmm. laughing and every time I saw you guys like as I was coming in like if Marco would run out or Chris would run out or you would run out like it was just always so good so mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. and were there any annoying moments um i got annoyed at chris the first night um when he was trying to find my headlamp and he couldn't and that was just me being a diva and he pulled me up on that quite quickly and i'm glad he did because that was just me in the heat of the day yeah being impatient nervous a million reasons but still and it very much quickly brought me back into the fact like no doesn't matter how tired or whatever you get in the next two days don't be that person like Mm. don't get stroppy with people don't be that stroppy runner that's getting angry at their crew just be grateful for everyone and what everybody's doing so i'm glad he pulled me up on that quite early so if someone was looking at planning an adventure like this especially Mm -hmm. a Mm mum what advice would you give to them what should they consider they're planning a multi-day trip adventure similar to what I've done. I would say, number one, start training hard for it. Don't, don't do it last minute. Definitely give yourself time to train and plan. Take the time to get to know people where you're going. Um, so, or someone who knows where you're going. I was very lucky that Chris had a lot of experience in the area um he also put me in touch with rachel quite early on um and she was a wealth of knowledge and also reach out like facebook's great for kind of local groups communities there was a lara pinter trail group which i joined ages ago you don't really have to put questions in there but you can just read everything that kind of goes on in the group uh, the group forum and you get a lot of knowledge from that yeah i would say if you're a mum trying to do this definitely definitely have the right people around you as well Mm. um you can do something like this on your own but i think experiences like this are just made so much more richer by having those people with you Mm. um so yeah choose choose your crew wisely that's something that i have learned uh over the last two years is just make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who add to the experience and who can be a part of the experience 
as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And what lessons, like you've, you've shared some lessons, but what would be the biggest lesson that you've learned about yourself through this adventure? I was at dinner with a friend the other night and she's done a lot of mountaineering. So she's been in those, the same kind of situations where you get to the summit or you get to like the pinnacle of your adventure. And she was like, you know, when you're completely stripped back, vulnerable, you know, the realities or the, the normal things in your life aren't there. Like, what was it? Like, what was it that you were feeling or what was it that was calling you? And for me, it was definitely the people around me. And it just, it just puts such an emphasis on the fact that I feel like I've really worked hard to have the right people around me. Um, and I'm unbelievably blessed for that to have you and Kat and Chris and Marco. My kids were at the forefront of my mind in sections. There was one point where Chris, he asked me, he's like, you know, have you thought about your kids much? And I was completely honest and blunt. And I said, no. And he goes, oh, I said, it's because if I think of my kids right now, I'm just going to cry. And I'm already, like, I'm already at breaking point. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I've learned from this is obviously, one, you know, I can push my body hard even when I'm in pain. And I think most mums are, you know, have experienced this through labour. Uh, you know, you're in the midst of pain, but you know you've got to keep going. You don't have a choice. You've got to keep going. And I think that's, that's an inner strength that mums and women have and mums can draw on that after they give birth even when they think that they've lost a sense of who they are you know you can do things like this um and yeah people having the right people around you i'm truly truly thankful and that's the one resounding feeling i've had after with you guys and the crew and my dad who was supposed to be there as well. And my kids looking in on the adventure is that, you know, I don't have heaps and heaps and heaps of friends, but the crew and the people that I have close to me, man, I feel, I feel so lucky to have you guys around. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. Cause I would feel the same. Like, yeah, I think too, as you get older, like, you really pay attention to the people in your circle and it's, it's, it's not a lot of people that you need, but it's really special people that you know are supposed to be in your circle. Um, and you, you look after those people and you protect them and, and you love yeah. them. And yeah, they they like, I know when you said come for this adventure, like I remember having the conversation with Anna and saying, like I was waiting for, it was almost like it was meant, it was just meant to happen. Like I was saying, I was waiting for something to, I guess, draw me back to life again and give me a project that I could get behind with someone that I cared about that was going to do something amazing. It was going to learn something about themselves. And, and straight away when you said that, I was like, this is it. And I remember being afraid to go and, you know, I was afraid because yeah. of all those reasons I gave you. Yeah. And I said to Chris, even like, I'm scared about it, but I'm excited because I know I'm going to learn a lot of stuff about myself. And 
you know, I've learned a lot about resilience and strength coming from what you've gone through mm. on this adventure. But I agree that the most important thing that's come out of this is the people we surround ourselves with. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's been an amazing experience. Mm. Yeah. What would you want your girls to know about like obviously about the people, but what, what else would you like your girls to see when they look at pictures and you tell them about your experience on the Lara Pinta trail? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've looked at the videos and um, the pictures and my little ones like, whoa, mommy, you were on that big mountain. I was like, yeah, I was on that big mountain. <laughs> I was hurting on that big mountain, but I was up there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, my girls, are, they're still so little. They're three and five. Um, I guess as they get older, I just, I just want them to, to see other women not afraid to step out of their comfort zones and chase that feeling of being alive. In the modern world, in our everyday lives, like when we're out there, that feeling you get of being alive and like really being alive and in the moment, you lose that. And it's sad that we have to chase that feeling as adults. But, yeah, I want my kids to know that, you know, it's okay to, to go and do these things. Like, go challenge yourself. Go do something out of the norm that's not normal. Because so many people look at what I've done and they're like, why? Why are you doing this? You are crazy. I don't mind being crazy because out of this whole adventure, I felt alive and I know that when I'm on my deathbed, this particular, you know, group of memories is going to be there. And yeah. I, for that, I'm happy. <laughs> 100%. So obviously, Marco came along and there will be some type of film made mm -hmm. about your adventure. So what was the reasoning behind wanting to document that? And obviously, we're all very excited about that part of the project. Um, did you have like, I guess, some type of theme that you wanted to express throughout that project? And did that actually, is that what actually ended up coming out of it? Or do you think it might be a little bit different now to what was expected originally? So the project came about or the idea of the film and it was so natural. It was ridiculous. I went to a, I think it was a women in adventure film festival None of them were trail runners. Like none of the movies were about trails or ultra runners or anything. It was, I think, rock climbing. Uh, there was a ski mission, slacklining. And I was sitting in the movie theatre just like gobsmacked at like the visuals of the stunning scenery and these women who were doing these amazing things. And I was just like you know, why can't we have one of these about trail running um, or like an adventure in trails? Where, because so many of the films that I have seen are either about an FKT or it's time-based or it's race-based. Mm. Um, and, I, and I floated that idea with Marco and he came on board like straight away. Um, and it's just been such a nice fluid relationship with us where we've, we've just been able to talk about ideas and, uh, you know, what my internal motivations behind this adventure was. And I guess out of the film, do I think that 
what we had projected it would be is what would come out. I think it might have taken a different turn. But the crux of it is, you know, I am a normal person. This is not my job. I am a normal everyday person choosing to step out and do something to challenge themselves. I'm a mum and I have a backstory in terms of that surrounding um, the guilt of, I guess, doing things for myself to make myself a better person person in order to be a better mum. And, yeah, so I think there will be a bunch of different kind of storylines there. I'm not sure exactly where it will go, but I know it will be bloody beautiful. <laughs> it will be. I don't know, but you'll see me struggle. And I think, that, I think that's the good thing as well. Like, I like the fact that in this whole adventure, uh, as much as there has been pretty scenery, I think that everybody has seen um, more of the real side of what these adventures are about and also the real side of me in terms of, like, I'm not always this smiling, happy trail runner. Most of the time I am, but... Man, I can have like a super anxious, angry face while eating a packet of chips. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it was probably as raw as it could get into. Like, and that was the beautiful thing with having Marco there is like he is is a close friend now, and I honestly didn't see him filming, Mm. um, other than when he was running and you know almost falling over spin effects. Other than that. Like it was, it was just a fly on the wall. And so I think whatever account or whatever the movie looks like will be just a raw account of what happened, mm. which I think will be awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. And when that happens, we'll definitely be sharing that all over the place. So I'm excited <laughs> to see what Marco produces because he got some incredible footage and he was everywhere at all times like up mountains and down resort he was just everywhere in creek beds i don't know climbing climbing up mountains when he shouldn't um like before he's supposed to run other mountains like he was just everywhere and he's such a great guy so yeah i'm excited to see what he produces out of this adventure as well i don't know whether i'm going to feature very much because i think at the end i was like using the camera whether that footage will make it in i do not know i've no idea he just shoved this gopro in my hand and said use this and i'm like oh like, what what i've it been awake for eight hours it's not turning on <laughs> anyway hopefully uh some of that came out okay but it's going to be beautiful no, we're going to finish up now with the rma hot lap because we always do and i thought that i would give you quick questions about the Lara Pinter Trail. So sure. just, it's normally five, but I've gone with six. So yeah. really quick, rapid fire. What was your favorite food on the run? Because we didn't ask about food. Hash browns, hash browns, hash yes. browns. You know, we only found those hash browns like day two. I know. I was like, what? There's hash browns in this fridge? This no, is amazing. I, I think that was a blessing as well because it was like they came out when I needed them and when Chris needed them the most and we were just like oh my gosh. 
Yeah, because we couldn't get the hot chips. And I was like, all right, we're going to fry these up. And everyone's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And they were the best with salt. Oh, so good. Hash browns. I recommend them to anyone. All right. How many blisters did you get? Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, six. Big ones. Yeah, big, huge blisters. Monsters. Yeah. How many hours sleep? We did say that. So around 30 minutes. How many hours? Zero. No hours. (laughs) 30 minutes, I reckon. The best hallucination out of the hallucinations? Oh, the photos. The photos, it was just so cool seeing the photos. Yeah. The thing you loved the most? The thing I loved the most. My most fond memory is that. 1k out seeing Chris come over the hill and just hugging him that was like that was like the accumulation and nuclear explosion of all the feelings in one (laughs) that was was so so beautiful I still remember that moment I'm like wish this is like a movie (laughs) I have the video from it I'm like "Ah." (laughs) I'm not Who's this cool looking guy running in his jeans with his hair flowing? (laughs) It was pretty cool. It wasn't Kat running, running (laughs) to the finish line because she was worried her watch was going to (laughs) die. Oh, yes. I remember that. That (laughs) That was funny. Um, Okay. What was the thing you hated the most? Spencer Gorge. It was the section coming down from... Uh, Razorback Ridge and it was it honestly just felt like this gorge that went on forever and when I say gorge the reason that it was so bad was it was just rock hopping down a gorge forever Uh, and my feet were not coping whatsoever every kind of uneven step was just killing and you know (laughs) I remember saying to Chris, how much further? He's like, it's a couple of hundred metres. And then I'd ask him again. He's like, it's a couple of hundred metres. <laughs> like it, it just felt like never ending. A couple of thousand kilometres. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last question. Would you do it again? No. I say that because... I feel like some experiences need to stand alone. Mm. And that experience for me is one that I want to keep as exactly that and not have anything kind of uh, written over the top of it. Um, And I feel after completing it, I feel satisfied like I don't feel I need to go back and do it again or I need to do it faster or like I am so satisfied with the adventure that we had that I just want to leave it as that in the memory. And I'm also very much well aware that I'm in my mid-30s and I don't have a lot of 250K missions under my belt. Uh, so I will save those for new and exciting other adventures with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, have you thought about what you might do for your next adventure? Yes, well, I just fell in my lap. I don't actually think I told you about it. No. Are we allowed to record this? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) So, like, last week, um, Chris was like, oh, I know this isn't the best timing. I was like, okay. He's like, 
So uh, we've been thinking about doing this adventure race and your name got thrown in the mix a couple of times. I was like, okay. He's like, would you want to be a part of the team? And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I have never, I'm not a mountain bike rider. I have never kayaked before. Uh, And this is apparently like a 200 kilometre, 36 hour-ish adventure race. So yeah, I'm super excited to, I'm getting a kayak this weekend and buying a mountain bike and going to (laughs) learn a whole bunch of other skills that will take me outside of my comfort zone. So (laughs) that's the next one. That's in September. Awesome. Yeah. So exciting. Terrified, but I have to talk to you about our next adventure, which Kat and I were talking about today and Chris was talking about today. So we'll do that then. Well, thanks for coming back on the podcast and I will make sure that I put in the show notes the link to your Instagram and everything else and like where people can follow along the rest of your journey, but also where they can see all of the footage and blog posts and everything about Mm -hmm. Lara Pinta. Um, You've been documenting the journey just so beautifully on your Insta and I love reading every single word. It takes me straight back. And I mean, I'm so privileged that I got to be part of it. It takes me straight back there, but more importantly, it takes me to where I, you know, the things I didn't get to see, which is when you were out Mm -hmm. there, you know, when I wasn't running with you, with Chris and everything, I got to actually experience those moments. So thank you for sharing with everyone. And also thank you for sharing this beautiful adventure with me i just feel so lucky thank you for coming with me it wouldn't have been the same if you weren't there wow well i hope you loved hearing all about michelle's journey along the lara pinta trail if you'd like to connect with michelle you can connect with her via her instagram and if you'd like to talk to me about it what it's like to crew for someone doing something like this you can also hit me up on Instagram or on my email, which is runningmumsaustraya at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing more adventures with Michelle into the future. I'd love you to head over and rate, subscribe and share our podcast with those that you know. It's through sharing of our podcast that people will be able to find us and be inspired along the way. Next time on the podcast, I bring to you an inspiring story from a woman who's overcome amazing challenges to get to where she is today. I hope you'll be inspired by that story. I was really inspired by her story when I first heard it through the RMA network, and I know that you'll just love hearing about it too. You can now jump on our website for the pre-order, which will close at the end of this week for winter gear. This might be the last pre-order for winter. So if you want a hoodie or a long sleeve top with RMA on it, please make sure you jump on to www.runningmumsaustralia.com.au and get your order in. Thank you for joining us, RMA. I look forward to bringing you more inspiring episodes to come. I hope you are safe and well wherever you are. Until next time.